If you have financial problems, we have financial answers. Hey, everybody, Pete the Planner here, CEO of Hey Money. We built this company specifically to help you solve your financial problems, to answer your financial questions without trying to sell you stuff along the way. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could get amazing answers from amazing people for an amazing price of about $20 a month? Yeah, it's pretty great. That's why we created Hey Money. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com. And if you use the offer code radio, that's the word radio, you can get a discount because we like you more than everyone else. Callheymoney.com. Yeah, this is for the people living day to day, living check to check, make a little money, pay some bills, yo, we neck and neck. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And we will answer your question, whether you listen on the radio, the podcast, or our Friday midday Facebook live stream. Joining me as always, except not in two weeks, Damian Dunn, the vice president of advice at Hey Money and Your Money Line. Is that your title? Still, good day. I thought we changed it, or we changed it no, to that. The vice president of advice. God, I'm tired. Hey, everybody, let's get to it right now. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Dame, we're starting with relations this week, family oh. relations. Oh. Well, people who are related. That's not. Hello. I found your article on a website and hoped I could run a couple of questions past you that I'm struggling with. wonder what website it was. Seriously. Handsomeginger.com? <laughs> Probably not. Formerginger.com? Closer. I have an adult daughter who is 27. She lives 15 hours from me. She just recently broke up with her boyfriend of five years. Hmm. She is moving into an apartment with a girlfriend. She doesn't have a way to get her stuff moved to a new place, so she will have to hire someone to move her. So she also has a vehicle that's breaking down and she needs it to get to work. She has never been good with money, but I haven't given her any money for the past several years except for birthday gifts, etc. She told me a couple of weeks ago that she had about $2,500 in her account, so I thought that would be more than enough to get her by and into her new place. And talking to her the other day, she now tells me she's broke and doesn't have enough to get moved on or pay her damage deposit, etc. let alone get her vehicle fixed. It is also very frustrating because I'd hoped she was a little more responsible with things than she seems to be. She gets a little money in her account and it burns a hole in her pocket. She goes and spends it without thinking of the future. It's hard on me knowing she has all this going on and I'm so far away. I was originally going to offer to help pay her moving van, but then she tells me about her vehicle problems and that makes us feel like we need to go there and help her get out to another vehicle uh, to get to and from work. Uh, she would just drive until the wheels fell off and we're concerned about her safety. Uh, I haven't mentioned helping her yet as we have been really trying to get her to be responsible enough to do this on her own. She makes me feel so stressed out all the time and I like to be more organized with my life. And she is a fly by the seat of her pants kind of gal. Do you think it would be wrong for us to go and help her get moved and look at her vehicle for her? How can I help her help herself and understand about money? Would love your advice. Thank you. Lady's name. I didn't want to give the name just in case. We see this one a lot, man. I mean, it's, it, yeah. It's not a comfortable answer either, is it? Mm. No. And, you know, I, I have to admit, uh, I've gotten a form of this question for 15 years in doing this. And 
Dame, your entire career, you've gotten forms of this question. And my views have evolved over time. I used to be like a tough guy. I had no kids, right? I'd be like, tough love. Let her fall from the tree so she can fly away. And and I I feel less tough guyish these days. I mean, the natural inclination of a parent most of the time is going to be to make sure they've got a soft spot to land, take care of the kid, uh, and and uh, help them go on to bigger and better things where they can be a huge success. There are some question marks as to whether or not that's what this uh this daughter really has um in store for her in the future isn't it I, she's uh she's trying to figure out how to make her own way but she's got a track record of maybe not making wise decisions and that's the crux of it how do you help an adult child make wise decisions going forward so they can be more um stable with their life and they can uh, do it without you in the future yeah. So the thing about this is you often want to make, not you, one wants to make this about full empathy. Well, you got to empathize. And we agree we are empathizing, but what we know is sometimes if you swoop in and rescue someone and you have not fixed the underlying issue, things get worse. They absolutely get worse. Dude, we see this all the time, all the time. And, and, you know, Typically, when I see this situation, though, you know what makes it more complicated is there's always a grandchild. Mm. And so then the help is about the grandchild, and they're sort of reluctantly helping their own offspring because they just really want to help the grandchild grow up in a stable home, which I get. I totally understand. This one's a little more unique because of 15 hours of distance, I assume by car, then I I think there's just a lot they don't know about the situation. So to try to solve this problem with money could be an issue. Yeah. I, it, the distance is not helping anything here at all. I mean, if it was just across town, you'd be able to, you know, drive over, help her get moved, uh, you know, get rally some friends, uh, take a look, maybe even let her borrow a vehicle in that amount of time. But 15 hours away is a huge detriment to the situation. So What's the best option? Uh, you're going to have to use really wise judgment to figure this out. Can and I ask I, a dumb question of you that you don't know the answer of? Uh, they're the, my favorites. So this woman, uh, the 27-year-old, would have received a stimulus payment within the last eight weeks, right? Assuming, yeah, I, she should have. Because she's not an adult dependent of no. anyone. Yeah. And unless she somehow filed jointly with the boyfriend, which is not a thing... I mean, when you wonder if that 2,500, 1,200 of it was a refund or the, pardon me, the stimulus payment. Very well could have been. What would you do if you're the mom here? And by the way, this is always tough because when people ask us what we would do or what they should do, you have to understand we have to make them, un we have to help them with their question, knowing or not knowing the groundwork they've already laid in this situation. Like this mom, we, we don't know the relationship. We don't know what they taught her about money that we don't know what level of entitlement or disdain. We don't know any of that stuff. So it's really hard actually to give good advice on these. Nearly impossible, but that's why it's so fun to watch a struggle to do it. Oh yes. Yes. So if I were uh, this woman and my child was having an issue, uh, 
the correct answer would be to help as little as possible. Yeah. As little as possible. It doesn't say don't render help because I, I think you need to somehow, some way. And if, you and I both know that if they couch it in the form of a loan, it's probably not ever coming back. Yeah. And, and sometimes that loan language is put there. So it makes it feel like, hey, we're taking this seriously and you should too. It just doesn't work. You know what people go wrong in this circumstance? And I, I don't know what, if we can tell her what to do right, but I can tell her what not to do uh, because it is wrong. Is you often say, whatever it is we can do to help, let us know. Or tell us how we can help. You are setting yourself up for disaster because if you don't know how you can help, then the other person will dictate it. And I'm guessing the daughter knows more about her finances and what needs to, you know, cross the I's and dot the T's than the mom does. And so I that's where these always go off the rails is that slightly empty, but well-meaning. Tell us what we can do to help. Sure. I would also suggest potentially help her get organized. Now we've got that dichotomy here where mom is super organized. The daughter's more fly by the seat of her pants. So that advice may not be received very well. However, it's exactly what the daughter needs. She doesn't need to have a budget written down to the penny each and every month, but she's got to have a plan for the money too. I would also say, I, I did say that uh, my my language has changed over the years on this topic. I've become a little less of a tough guy. I think it's when you have a, a you see yourself with a daughter in this situation, what would you do, mm -hmm. right? I think you and I can both see that. Mm -hmm. However, at some point in time, the kid's got to fall off the bike. If the kid doesn't fall off the bike, they will need training wheels forever. So despite the fact that this 27-year-old still needs financial training wheels, I'm not being insensitive to that, but something bad has to happen for there to be a moment to learn how to go. So it's with that, Dame, we take a break. So coming up after the break, we've got a question about a sudden retirement. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. This is our new musical interlude. Yeah. Back on the Pete the Planner show. If you're joining us right now from Kokomo, Indiana, WIOU AM 1350, thank you for listening. We are glad to be of service to you. Or maybe you're listening to WTRC, Michiana's 95.3. Hello. All right. Uh, Dame, the next question. Sudden retirement is the subject line. And here is a question. Pete. I'm 72 years old and healthy. You know what? I'll be honest. I feel like that's a singles ad start. Think like so? if I had a Tinder profile, I it would, that's what it would say. I'm 72 years old and healthy. Is there, there's not too much more important at 72 though, right? In February of 2020, between the Airbnb and the upstairs of my house, my tech job at a major university and social security, I was grossing $125,000 a year. Man, Lead with that in the Tinder profile. Seriously. Okay, Dame, here we go. Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to continue reading now. Because of the pandemic, I took a buyout. About $53,000 before taxes from the university, from the university, and had to close my Airbnb indefinitely. Well, that makes sense. I owe $200,000 on my house, which is appraised at $600,000. My mortgage is 4.37% with 10 or 15 years to go, depending on whether or not I keep up my bi-monthly payments or switch back to monthly. I have $125,000 HELOC with a balance of zero. Social Security is $2,147 American dollars a month. 
My 403B is about $410,000. My current budget is about $55,000 a year. It doesn't quite all add up. I'm wrestling with the idea of refinancing my mortgage to save about $300 a month, but I would love to remain in my house, which is modest, but a popular neighborhood uh, and see it paid off. Thoughts? Okay, so Dame, run off the bat here. A 4.37% interest rate. Dude, he can cut major points. Actually, I got a quote yesterday on a 10-year at 2.75, so he could save one and a half points easily by refinancing to a 10-year. Do you remember when 4.37 was a phenomenal interest rate? What was your very first interest rate on a mortgage, and what year was it? It uh, would have been 2004 or five, and it was probably five and a quarter. 8.5% in the year 2000. Mrs. Planner and I, upon graduating from the banks of the Ohio River at Hanover College, literally bought a house weeks after graduation. At 8.5%, I had a buddy whose dad owned a bank, and so he would, gave us a less than conventional loan at eight and a half percent. I don't think that's what it was called. Was a, <laughs> I like that your wife just weighed in and corrected you on Facebook as to what the interest rate was. What was it's it? 5.5%. I, I like her so much. If I was to be related to anyone in your household, I have three top choices. Yeah. What do you think here? I mean, he's got to refinance. I absolutely would do it to save $300 a month, but but there's some deeper issues here. Yeah, we've got, um, I mean, the good news is his budget's about 55 grand, so it doesn't seem like it's outlandish to me. However, um, what he's got set aside in his 403B was- Yeah, I'm doing the math right now. I would say I'm, I'm trying to- A thousand bucks a month. Yeah. So not a whole bunch out of the 403B, which is taxable on top of that. Well, how about so, you're more, how about we could be more aggressive and say it's 1500 bucks a month, but that's pretty aggressive. Yeah. And he's healthy. Yeah. So we we got to be careful bucks. on, on, uh, running out, uh, too early. So, okay. So he needs $4,500 a month to live. He gets 2100 from Social Security. We think he's going to get another 1000 or so from his 403B, getting some income off of that. Mm-hmm. So that leaves him a gap of uh, $1,400, and he can save 300 of it by refinancing his mortgage. And you would hope that once the coronavirus goes away, he can get that Airbnb happening again. But man... He's in a pickle, so he has to refinance. Absolutely has to refinance. Yeah, I don't see any other way around it. He's got to spend just a little bit of money to go through the closing costs of all that good stuff and and refinance and get that payment down. By the way, your wife just corrected you again on Facebook saying it was in 2004. And I she said, said four or five. Yeah, well, you need to be more specific. I... <laughs> What are you doing tonight, Dame? I don't know anymore. Whatever my <laughs> wife tells me. Whatever she corrects me to. What do you do in this circumstance? Do you think this guy is going to... Will he lose the HELOC when he refinances? Do you have to... No, because it's not it's not an outstanding debt. But I do wonder if it's predicated on the first loan. What happens to a HELOC when you refinance? It's a great question, but... Under what circumstances would we encourage him to dip into the HELOC? I wouldn't. Yeah. 
but I think he has it there for a safety uh, net. What's that? A safety blanket, which isn't a thing. I think it is, but it doesn't apply. Yeah. Isn't that weird? You go from let's let's be this guy for a second. His name's whatever. Uh, he's seventy-two. Things are good, man. He's banking one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. He's in a tech job at a big university. He's getting Social Security, working the Airbnb thing. Pandemic hits, took a $53,000 buyout before taxes, which this sounds critical, but damn, that's not that much, all things considered. I That was one of the most shocking things of this entire email was that his buyout was 53. I mean, I, but if you combine all the other stuff that was going on, um, 53 might have been about a year roughly of, of salary. Yeah. You know what? I bet that's what exactly what that was. So that means he was making serious bank with Airbnb. That's true. Because he we, was, we know yeah. he's only making 24 on social security. 53. So that's uh what, 77. And so yeah. he was making 50 grand a year with Airbnb. Is that our guess? Man, I hope he was reporting that because we just got him in some serious trouble if he wasn't. Well, we don't. We didn't give his name. You know what, though, Dame. I, do you? There's no way if he was in a good tech job at a major university, he's making more than fifty three. That's true. What would you do here? Would you tell this guy that you know you and I just calculated the distribution rate off of that four hundred and ten thousand as four hundred three b? We calculated around three to three and a half percent to be very conservative because he says he's healthy and he's only seventy two. Yeah. Do you tell him to take a more robust uh, withdrawal rate, or do you tell him to get a part-time job? I was just going to say, if he's got tech skills that were still valid at a university, there's probably a part-time gig out there for him doing something that would be maybe even easier uh, for his, to fit into his lifestyle now than, than his job was at the university. So maybe that's part of the solution here is to find some part-time income. I think it might be, you know, what's tough is you and I have both given that piece of advice over the years and your team gives that sort of advice when necessary. Dame, that's, that's tough advice to give right now to tell someone to get a part-time job. Usually I have no qualms about it, but man, in uh, what between 15, 13 and 20% unemployment, depending on how you want to look at those numbers right. to tell someone to get a part-time job. There's just not a lot of those right now. There's not. Um, and maybe that's not in the cards at this moment, but encourage him potentially to keep that in the front of his mind that as, as these things start to shake out and maybe as the economy starts to settle a little bit, whenever that's going to be, uh, that, that maybe a part-time gigs, a really good idea. I'm trying to see where this guy lives. That's a little creepy. Is that him? A lot no. Creepy. It says he's a writer. Is that right? Hold on. We're, we're looking it up on the, Oh my gosh, this isn't going to go well. I don't know. That was a, a poor use of time on here on this radio show. Dame, here's what we're going to do, though. Coming up after the break, what do you want to do? What segment do you want to do next? I, I, I have so much to talk about Robin Hood. We could go back to the email inbox. What do you think? Um, let's do Robin Hood. Okay. All right, we're coming back. We're talking about one of the most unpopular investing websites in the country right now, Robin Hood. It's, it's wreaking havoc on the investment world. They're beating billionaires. We'll tell you more next. I'm Pete the Planner. This is another interlude. I used it to separate the segments. You'd think, don't you have something better to do than make these awesome songs? The answer is no. Enjoy the next segment. 
Back on the Pete the Planner show. Thanks for listening on this here day. I don't know when people listen, Damien, so I had to hedge and just say day. Anyway, so Dame Robin Hood. It is uh, a legendary figure robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, but it's also an investing website, robinhood.com. And the idea is that you can have no fee trading. You can buy and sell stocks and Bitcoin and all sorts of other things on their site for no fees. I don't know how they do it. Don't particularly care. Uh, But this company has found itself mired in controversy over the last year or so as it misrepresented what their checking account and money market positions were, which is a really bad thing when you break the trust of people. But it is very popular with the millennial set because people can day trade on it and it doesn't cost them anything. And more importantly, Dame, you can buy fractional shares, right? So typically back in the day, if you wanted to buy stocks, typically you would buy them in what is called a lot. And I don't mean, oh, a bunch. I mean, 100, a lot of 100. So you you typically buy stocks in groups of 100 and it is called a lot. Now you could buy uh, individual shares, uh, not too far off from that, right? I mean, I bought one share of Philip Morris when I was in seventh grade. I didn't have to buy 100 shares. I was able to buy one share. But now, Dame, you can buy fractional shares. So if you don't want to, it'll say, hey, I want to put $5 in Apple computers. $5 would actually not buy you a single share of Apple, but it would buy you a fractional share. So that's why it is very popular. And Dame, I would argue it's very popular because of things like DraftKings and FanDuel, that it feels like a game and it feels like gambling. And so people love it. Well, during a pandemic, when people got nothing to do, sit at home and wear sweatpants, they find ways to entertain themselves. And one way people are doing is they're going to Robinhood and they're day trading incredibly volatile stocks and equities, and it's creating major headaches. So just this week alone, there was an article on CNBC's website that read more like a PR piece about Robinhood, about how some of their investors, you know, kids are doing better than billionaires based on their hunches they have in the stock market. Dame, on its surface, why is that ridiculous? Uh, You can get right every once in a while. You can guess right every once in a while. However, billionaires, uh, the one that they keep referring to as uh, Mr. Buffett, uh, 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 you may have heard of him. Uh, he takes a little bit different look at investing and he's done, oh, moderately okay uh, in the last few decades. So when you are looking for uh, an individual stock, uh, it's possible to know one stock very, very well. It's almost impossible to have the breadth of information and the success that somebody like a billionaire like Warren Buffett has consistently year in, year out, month after month, it's it's phenomenal, frankly. So when things get beat up, if you see, well, goodness, I, I think um, pick a pick a cruise line or a, an airline of Carnival. your choice. Carnival. You think, you know what? I, I have a feeling that they may actually be okay. And you put 100 bucks in Carnival. Are you speculating or are you investing 
that hundred dollars is a huge difference between investing and speculating. You're guessing because I'm betting 99.99 repeating percent of the people that invest made these trades on Robinhood didn't look at a 10k or didn't do any financial analysis. They're going with their guts, right? But when you and I say stuff like this, and I was on a podcast, uh, Friends with Money, with my friend Joe Saul Cihai, uh, just the other day. I, please subscribe to Friends with Money with Joe Saul Cihai. Uh, we were talking about this topic, and I always feel snooty when I talk about this because what I'm saying is, despite the fact that I personally day traded in college, I didn't go to class a lot. I day traded. I really did. What I'm saying now is you shouldn't do that and you don't know what you're doing and you're just speculating. It's not real investing yet. People are making money, but Dane, what is it? The, a clock is right twice a day or a broken a clock is right yeah. twice a day or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a relatively great run and then yesterday happened and made a lot of people. Uh, I think the, the comment I saw a lot of day traders are about to become investors yesterday because <laughs> things change really, really quick. Uh, day traders are interested in short-term profits. Investors are invested in the long-term returns. Let me tell you the top holdings at uh, Robinhood. Here are, the, here are who the investors, or shall I say account holders, at Robinhood. Here are the main stocks that they own in aggregate. Ford Motor Company, which yesterday, oh, pardon me, th we were recording on a Friday. Thursday was the market slaughter. Mm -hmm. Ford was down 9% on Thursday. General Electric was down 8%. American Airlines down 14%, which is a very popular holding for Robinhood account holders. Disney down 7%. Delta down 12%. Carnival down 14%. GoPro down 13%. I wonder if they had their GoPros on while their, market or their investments <laughs> were going like this and you can just see them. And then Aurora Cannabis, of course, at minus 8%. I'm not celebrating the pain, the financial pain of people, but Dame, this is DraftKings. This is mm. FanDuel. And I find that, and I'm a fuddy daddy. You know this about me. You've known this about me for a very long time. Uh, there's something dangerous about sports gambling. I'm not saying it should be outlawed. I'm just saying when the marketing for sports gambling says, hey, here's some free money. Here's some free account deposits. It's a taste. So they can get you hooked and they know more than you do and you're in trouble. Yeah, investing is, like I said, it's a long-term game. It's not a short-term game for the vast majority of us. Can you imagine being somebody within a few years of retirement and seeing this ramping up and thinking, this is what it's going to be. It's just going to be volatility. There's going to be people who have a following on social media who say, this is what I'm getting into. They've had some moderate success. They get a bunch of people to rush in behind them, inflate the price. They sell their position, whatever happens when the market corrects and the markets overall become much more volatile. That doesn't that doesn't bring me warm fuzzies thinking about the stability and the expected um, path that we could, that a financial planner could explain to their clients going forward. It's, it becomes very difficult when you have what I would feel like are artificial stimuluses in the market by people manipulating it. We saw, I can't remember the guy's name that was on, was it MSNBC or CNBC or whatever, a couple yeah. months ago where 
he very clearly manipulated the market. Oh, and, absolutely. And that's going to happen going forward if enough people get in front of others who are just trying to make a quick buck. I'm going to regret my next comments. Good. It's because it's something I slacked you earlier this week and you said, yeah, I probably wouldn't put that on on Twitter. So oh. instead I'm going to put it out on the podcast. Perfect. I happen to have a holding. One of the primary investments that I have that I've held for years that I did a lot of research on, and I don't plan on selling it anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Damien, it is up 41% this year. 41%. You can get occasionally ridiculous returns like that by buying and holding, mm -hmm. not speculating on banks, bankruptcy stocks. Did you see one of the most traded positions for Robinhood accounts this past week was Hertz? Yeah. A, a company that is filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. And so it's it's wild to me. Actually, of everything going on in our world right now, is, this is the least surprising thing, is that people are speculating uh, on Robinhood. So if you want to learn more about Robinhood, you can go to Robinhood.com if you want. But please have an emergency fund before you start investing and speculating. And I am a fuddy-duddy. I've never bet on sports in my life, although I do play fantasy football and I've won the league. So is that betting on sports? No. Okay. And I did report it on my taxes. Ugh. Coming up after the break, the biggest waste of money of the week and some more current events. Yeah, more happened this week than people trading in Robinhood. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Fourth segment, here we go. After this, it's no more show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is... Ancient and Brave Coffee and Collagen. Chances are, you're already starting off your day with a cup of joe. Swap that average coffee for high-protein, nutrient-dense fuel with Ancient and Brave Coffee and Collagen. The high-performance blend infuses the rich, nutty flavor of organic Brazilian ground coffee with grass-fed bovine collagen, Siberian ginseng, and sweet raw cacao to upgrade your morning brew with ingredients that improve focus, enhances performance, and can keep you feeling fuller longer. It's best prepared with a French press, and for an added boost, include true MCT oil and true collagen to the brew. Damien, for 250 grams of this stuff, how much is 250 grams in pounds? Let's see. Grams in, here we go, in ounces. 250 grams is eight ounces. Half a pound. What does, okay, yes. What does a half pound of ancient and brave coffee and collagen cost? 50 bucks. Mm, close. $40. Would you consume bovine collagen to improve performance? Can they put it in Diet Coke? You do have a Diet Coke problem. I do. Do you have one a day? No, not anymore. I don't have any at home. Is that the problem? I've put a buffer between myself and the Diet Coke. A Michigan's man's credit score tumbled 91 points because of a student loan glitch. Jeremiah Harrington struggled for nearly a year to drive his credit score up from a grim 527 to a pretty good 682. That was my Cockney accent. Pretty good. Then in a matter of days, his score unexpectedly tumbled by 91 points in May. You know, this reads like a PR release for like Credit Karma or something. 
anyway, there was a big glitch in the student loan payment reporting system. And so a bunch of people had their credit scores just hammered. Can you imagine, can you imagine working on that and having it go the wrong way for you on a glitch and just freaking out? We actually had many questions about this on the line saying, is this going to hurt my credit score? You know, because all of the student loans, the federal student loans were put into a temporary forbearance where you didn't have to make the payments for a certain period of time. And of course the answer was no, it's not. And it shouldn't have. However, one, uh, one loan servicer, Great Lakes, I believe, uh, had an issue where it didn't work out so well. And so they uh, misreported the information and that's what's causing a bunch of this, this uh, credit score headache. Yikes. You know, I had an email from a guy. I should have read it on today's show. He, he missed a student loan payment last year and his, his score went down 200 points because of that one missed payment. That seems a lot. I know. So I feel like there's always more to that story. Student yeah. loans can mess you up if you're not careful. Yes. So Dame, uh, gold ETF may be headed back to a nine-year high, one trader says. Here's one way to play it. Do you think people should speculate and buy gold as a main holding, or do you view, view it as more of a hedge against a portfolio and it should stick around the 10% holding range? That's more of a hedge in my, my opinion. I don't think, um, especially unless you've got tangible gold. Uh, and even if you do, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to start shaving off slices of gold to pay for stuff if you have to? No, probably not. But the GLD, uh, which is this particular fund ETF hit an all-time high of $185.85 in September of 2011. It climbed less than 1% in early trading today, Friday, in which we're recording this, the 12th of June to $163. So it's still 20 bucks off its high. But Dame, I'm with you. If I'm going to have a hedge of gold, I'm going to hold gold, like actual drop it on your foot gold. Yep. I don't think I'm going to hold a. And by the way, I don't. So don't come to my house and tickle me and try to take it because I don't have any. Um, what? You don't think I have any? No, the thought somebody would tickle you to try and take it. That's the only way. That's my weakness, man. Back in the knees, I just dropped me like a punch from Conor McGregor. Is that his name? It is. I wanted to seem current. He just retired. Oh, again, for like the fourth time. <laughs> uh, Dame, also this week, one uh, one additional thing I want to talk about. The market is is getting hammered 30 ways to Sunday. Uh, it got hammered Thursday, Friday, it's back up. But here's the thing. In a, uh, a bear market, which is a 20% decline from a high, on average, it takes 4.4 years to recover to the pre-fall level. 4.4 years. Dame, as of Wednesday, we had basically recovered already in two months. In two months. 90 times faster than normal. I was really hoping you were going to say it was 4.4 weeks. No. Yeah. I mean, that's what people want today. Uh, it's also interesting to note that since World War II, there have been 26 corrections. A correction is between 10 to a 20% decline. Okay. Do you know the average recovery time? Did I send this to you this week? I don't think so. It's my Indianapolis business journal uh, column that releases at 2 PM today, Friday the 12th, uh, four months. 
Four months average is what it takes to recover from a correction, a correction being between 10 to 20% decline in the market. I, I said it last week on the show, and I'm going to reiterate it. Of everything we've got going on in our world right now that scares us and makes us upset and gives us uh, sweaty uh, armpits, the market is the one I'm the absolute least concerned about. I agree. I, the, I think the thing that's tripping most people up is that this is not a bear market or correction or anything that we've experienced that, that any of us alive have experienced previously because it's not a financial issue underlying it. It was a, a pandemic that, that caused all this. We had to shut things down. And uh, if things could get spun back up, it's reasonable to think that the recovery, at least in my opinion, the recovery would uh, be a little bit more rapid. However, now we're starting to see the consequences of maybe spinning things up. And now we're going to yo-yo maybe a little bit with with uh, how things are going to go in the future. So uh, are we in store for volatility for the next three, six, 12 months? I, I'm not sure what to say on that, but this feels different because it is different this time. Yeah, we, we uh, I'll speak for myself. I have heard a lot of investors, and I've said it to myself in the mirror, when you look at a major market downturn, you say, it's different this time. This is why I'm going to act differently. But although the actual event is different, the outcome is always the same. It will always recover. We are not looking at a situation. It's like, well, there is a pandemic. The stock market's going out. It will never exist again. There are no equity. Like That's not a thing. It's not it's not remotely possible. So I don't care about the stock market in the least. I really don't. I worry about in this order. Uh, I still worry about the pandemic quite a bit, uh, honestly, because I, I don't think we're, we're through it. I, wor I worry about all the unrest, the civil unrest in this country uh, and, and what direction we go. You know, do we come together as a people to solve what has been injustice for centuries? And then you look at the economy, right? And you can tie all three of them together. You, you really can. But the market's the one where I'm just like, who cares? It's going to be fine over time. Unless you are trying to retire in 10 days, it's going to be fine. And even then, it's going to be fine. The market will sort itself out. It's just important to stay consistent with what you're doing and not make any crazy changes to, to what you've got going on. It might be a great time to reevaluate what you've got going on. However, get a plan, work it, and just keep working it. Dame, if people have questions and they want to talk to you or one of uh, the, the wonderful people on your team, they should go to callheymoney.com, callheymoney.com. You can still use offer code radio, I think, and you can get 10% uh, off, which takes it about $20 a month or so to uh, have access to a financial expert to work through your financial life. It's kind of like financial planning, but it's more like financial planning light in the sense that you're not going to get investment advice, but they will problem solve whatever you're dealing with. Uh, the people like it, Dame. The people like it. So thank you, as always, for your contribution this week. We will talk next week. And then you have a week off, and the queen of the desert is filling in. I'm very excited about that. Everybody else, I'm sending you good vibes, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. All right, the show's over now, so like, go do something else. Like, like Read a book. Try to watch some educational television. You know, do something good for your community. Which, I mean, like... Because I'm done. That's all I got to offer you this week. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to go.